Welcome to Mo Man Talk. I'm your host, Shisa Wong. On today's guest, he is a passionate, driven, and genuine individual. He has over 20 years of dynamic experience, advanced education, and certificate. He has successfully supported organization in meeting its changing business needs and distinguished its brand and is in their competitive landscape. Through his dedication and hard work, he is one highly motivated, transformational leader. But first, let's thank our sponsors. Today's sponsor is Collective Vision Fashion. Do you know how to sew? Or are you a fashion designer? This group is seeking for fashion designers and to competing in winning cash prize. Well, if you do, check them out on Facebook at Collective Vision Fashion. Now on to the show. Hey everyone, we are super excited today. We have an amazing guest that has climbed the corporate ladder for quite a while now. Amazing, very educational guy. We give you a lot of great insight of uh, that corporate life. Pow, welcome to the t- episode in the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, Pa, I'd like to ask you this. Just one thing the listeners do not know about you. Okay. Um, so some of the things, but uh, one thing in particular is that uh, I am a daredevil. So I love to try things for the first time. So whether it be skydiving, snorkeling with, with whale sharks, I'm always up for, you know, just going all out on the first things, you know, trying it for the first time, whether um, it's dangerous or if it's something new in terms of food. Uh, definitely an adventurous uh, in that aspect. So definitely people may not see it, but I do it. Would you say kind of a drilling junkie? Yeah, yeah, definitely okay. a drilling junkie, 100%, 100%, 100%. Okay, I'm assuming you had a motorcycle in your past or still ride? <laughs> that's on the list of things to do. Okay, that's the other list. Oh yeah, it's on the I, list. I, I don't, I do condone going two hundred on a bike. I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> but let's not even talk about that. <laughs> yeah, Ducati, yeah, yeah, definitely looking at Ducati right now. So we'll see. Oh man, uh, 1090s. So oh, beautiful bike. Beautiful. Yeah, bike. yeah, expensive, but beautiful bike. Yeah, I agree. What about skydiving? Done that eighteen thousand feet. Did that. Uh, in Malibu, uh, California. So it's all the, the desert, it's all the beaches, and then saw the ocean and the city coming down 18,000 feet, uh, Santa Barbara uh, skydiving. Gorgeous. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's awesome. And whitewater rafting, you name it, done, done that. You know, Snorkeling so. down and saw the shark, swim with the shark. Yep, 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 yep. So definitely all about zip lining. I, when I was in the Philippines, I ziplined uh, one of the longest ziplines in all of Asia. So it was like a, a mile and a half zipline. That was kind of cool. How do you even balance your work life and your fun life? Cause- so you gotta, you gotta go all out, right? Whenever you're at work, you go 110% and you know, work hard, play hard, right? So definitely I mean, that's how I uh, view things. But is your schedule controlled with corporate life? You do, and and what you have to learn is um, when you get to a certain level of the organization is being efficient with your time, right? It, it's all about being efficient with your time and maximizing your time when you're doing things. So um, when I'm, I'm working out, exercising, you know what, 110% and, and get it out. If I'm with uh, my kids, you know, you give that, them 110% of the time and effort there. Or if you're in the corporate meeting, you give 
and you leave it all out on the table and get it done, right? So to me, be very efficient with your time and give it 110% and, and then you move on uh, on that. So that's how you do it. You just gotta, you know, if it's important to you, you know, make it a priority, right? You have a beautiful family, adorable family. How long have you been married now? So 24 years. Um, so that's been uh, since 1997. Uh, on there, I got married early. I got married when I was 19 in college. I was a sophomore in college uh, when I got married. So, um, so basically I had my oldest in the year 2000. So right after I graduated, uh, my undergraduate in electrical engineering, I had my oldest, she's in college now. She's a junior in college now. Um, and, and then obviously three other kids, so two boys and two girls uh, on there. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been, uh, been juggling work, school and, and life in general. I see, let's, let's take you back way back when, when you were just getting into high school or getting out of high school. Yeah. What was your mindset about your career? Like, how did you choose that career? Did you know a lot earlier than that? Maybe a middle school already? No, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't. Um, you know, traditional Hmong parents, right? Or traditional Asian parents, it's either a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. And, and, and my, my parents are like, hey, you're going to be a doctor. And, and uh, what I learned my junior year is that, A, I don't want uh, someone's life in my hands. Um, and as a doctor, uh, I did not want to go down that path. So I told my parents, you know, med school is not for me. Um, but uh, what I did know was um, I was really good in science and math. It came naturally to me. And then uh, I had some, some cool uh, friends and relatives that are doing electrical engineering. I was like, that's kind of cool. And so I decided, you know what, if I'm good in science and math, let's just go down that path, go down engineering, right? Uh, and I like building things. So to me, uh, building things is part of the nature. And, and growing up, my parents own rental property. So very handyman things, right? So you, you learn how to fix things and, and uh, put them back together, right? And, and also, we also did um, also automobile things, right? So fixing vehicles and whatnot. And so to me, you come very handy with your, your uh, hands-on stuff, right? So with that being said, that's kind of, um, I fell into it, right, in, in actuality. And what's so great about it is I fell into the telecom space, which is the start of the internet. So literally um, in 1999, back when the DSL, for the younger viewers or the older viewers, for the older viewers, if you remember dial-up, dial-up was the, back in the day when, when I was there and when I ended my career in, in college, that was the start of DSL and cable in terms of uh, high-speed internet. And that was my concentration. And it's been a 21-year career in telecom and internet. So literally, I've been building the internet since 1999 uh, with my career. So it's been, it's been uh, fruitful and, and a pretty good ride. It seemed like you knew the path pretty much right away with a lot of influencers, friends. You know, because by 99, by 99, you had your bachelor's in electrical engineering from NCSU as in North Carolina, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely knew. Yeah, so definitely knew the, the, the path. Once I got into my major at college, I was like, you know, this is pretty cool stuff, you know, because you're dealing with the Internet. 
And it's like, you know what? There's so many things and so much things that you can do with the internet because now you're interconnected. Um, and as you can see with Google, right, is that if you need anything, you Google it. If you need to learn how to swap out a part or, or build something, you YouTube and see the video and, and you do it, right? And the, the thing about the internet is that you're just connected with information. And, and with that is that that's kind of what excites me. It's like, you know what? A poor kid in a poor country, as long as they have an internet access, you know what? They can compete with anybody out there if they're willing to learn. You know what I mean? So it's the ultimate equalizer. In, in the past, it used to be education is the ultimate equalizer. Well, right now, the internet is the ultimate equalizer if you look at it. Because to me, college is important. I went to, but what I'm saying is just today, people have much more or many more options out there that college may not be a necessity because depending upon the person, you know, if you're a college student, great. But if it's not for you, there's other avenues to, to make a living and a career or, you know, do something uh, productive, right? So to me, ultimate equalizer, the internet. It used to be education. The internet to me is the ultimate equalizer. Indeed, because like, just to get an idea of how old we are here, if we were to record this in 56K modem, it's not going to happen. That tells it, how old it, we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you grew up in those days, is is Napster really pushed the envelope for broadband because people were downloading music, and if you remember, it took you two hours or an hour to download <laughs> one song, you know. And now with the the high speed internet, it's like, bam, we we have it, right? We we have the music. Yeah, I know. Two hours to record to download a a song online, and some people don't even have the patience. Wait. Two seconds on 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 YouTube for kind of yeah. loud and just clicking so fast on skipping that advertisement, right? That commercial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, the, the, the struggle was real back then, you know. And it's fifty six or even thirty three, and it's like ah. Uh, so you know, even my kids, they 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 don't know the struggles of of fifty six k or thirty three k modem, and you know, right now the internet, like my seven year old, man, he's on his iPad doing distance learning, or you know, because of COVID. And he's he's whipping through it, and I was like, yeah. man, they, they will never know the struggles of that. But you know what? I'm happy to be part of the solution that you know in behind that that technology that just makes everything work. So you know, when people ask me what I do, I tell them I make the internet go faster because that's my job. I think we had the best years of the '90s, kids, man. We we, well, saw, we also had the best yeah. music in the '90s too. So. Oh man, I can't say no more. Right? Say yep, no yep, more about yep, that. Yep. You afterward, you know, after getting your bachelor, you also got your, I mean, you got on the dean's list, you know, for your yeah. bachelor in North Carolina. So that's even great. But you got into a Cisco certification too in network. Yeah. And wow, that's just amazing about your schooling and education. And beyond that, you were in like, oh man, you didn't stop there. You went to Wake Forest University School of Business and got your MBA uh, and took about two, three years there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely, you know, um, little story about, you know, dean's list. That's great and all. But in, in college, I did have a good time, and I had like a 1.1 GPA one semester. And that is the truth, is that, you know, I, I had too much of a good time. Um, but, by, but by the time I graduated, I, I made it to Dean's List. You know, obviously, pulling up that GPA wasn't a joke, because obviously, from a 1.1 GPA, taking it all the way to Dean's List by the time you graduate is, is a lot of work. But... You know, to, to me is that um, not resting on your laurels, right? Meaning you push the envelope, whether it be the certifications, what you're talking about right now, 
or my MBA, is that you always look at your career as building a bulletproof resume, right? As you as a candidate for any job out there, you know, when you go and interview, the only thing they should be asking is, why don't we hire that guy? Or why don't we hire that young lady? You know, because you have such a strong educational certification resume along with the strong work experience and you're able to communicate effectively is that, you know what? It's the ultimate equalizer, right? Because here's the thing, you're competing with everybody, right? And as you go up the corporate ladder, so to speak, and you're moving your way up, is that those positions are far and few between and it's the, the top of, you know, the, the cream of the crop is competing for those jobs, right? And to me, you gotta be prepared and be uh, prepared yourself uh, to compete with those folks, right? You gotta build your case to make sure that you're a strong candidate so that when they see you on paper and they meet you in person, they go, yeah, you know, that's the person we want to, to hire, right? So that's, you know, that's how you build, you know, wh whether it be work experience, training certification or education, communication styles or effective communication. These are some of the critical things you'll, you'll definitely need um, in terms of just your career in general. Can you, tell you, can you tell me more about your emotions and your thought process when you had that one-for-one one GPA and then now getting to Dean's List? Why? Oh, yeah. Why was the change? You mean partying, I guess, too much, not doing your homework, no discipline? You didn't have mommy and daddy on your, on your neck? What? Well, here's the thing, right? If you go to a big university, let's use an example. Like uh, North Carolina State's a big university. There's about 40,000 kids there uh, and it's just like like the university of wisconsin madison which is like 40 50,000 kids there is that what folks failed and me being first generation i was the first one to go to college and nobody tells you that when you get to college especially those big universities that's the cream of the crop everybody was a rock star in high school okay everybody is you know in the top at least top 10 percent if not uh top five percent in high school so now you're, you're competing with people that are at the same level you are, and you have to work that much harder because of that. Now, the 1.1 GPA is that, you know what, you didn't learn good studying habits, you didn't learn time management, which is key, right? You gotta know when to, when to party, when to study, and you know, obviously you get those things mixed up in terms of priorities uh, on there. You know, what turned it around is definitely that 1.1 GPA, right? The wake up call, you know? Uh, never saw, I was an AB student, never straight A student. I've never been a straight A student except until I got into grad school, MBA in, in North. But, you know, saw my first two Fs, you know what I'm saying? And to literally go back home to tell your parents that you're going to get kicked out because you're on academic probation or, you know, face the embarrassment of that. Yeah, that, that's a good motivation to say, you know what, I'm not going to go home and be embarrassed in front of family members, in front of my, my parents to go, you know what, I went to college and you know what, it kicked my ass and, and I, I bombed out or I failed out, right? So losing is not an option, you know? You took it very seriously. I mean, you got, went to Project Management Institute, uh, got your Project Management 07 as a professional and did not even better. You went to University of um, uh, Wisconsin Mad uh, Madison as a Badger, School of Business. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, that was for about two years in 09 to 011. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, no, um, when I, after my MBA, I got a job in Madison with Charter. Um, and so uh, I took the opportunity to be able to better my career by 
obviously getting more tools in my toolkit, right? It's, if you ever worked on cars or if you ever worked on a home, is that there's specific tools for specific jobs, right? The prime example would be like a pipe wrench versus an Allen wrench, right? Well, if a wrench is a wrench, then they wouldn't develop a, an Allen wrench and a pipe wrench because they have two different purposes, right? And, and so when you look at that, is the project management or the PMP serves a different purpose. The Six Sigma black belt that I took at the University of Wisconsin-Madison as a business school serves a different purpose, but it's another toolkit in your toolkit as a professional to be able to leverage when you need it, right? So the whole adage about you rather have it and not need it and need it and not have it, right? So to me, you have that tool, so you don't have to go run to the tool store to go get that specific tool for that job. You've already prepared yourself so that whenever that opportunity comes up, you already have the tool, you know what I mean? So um, I took the opportunity when I was in Madison from 05 until 2013. Yeah, University of Wisconsin's got a great um, a business school and great uh, continuing education school, so definitely leveraged it. Uh, you know, we, and then and shortly after we got, you went to school of business as well in Dartmouth. Yeah. Uh, and that was in 011, 012 or so. Yeah, so, yeah, so and, with that is, um, um, in my industry, they select uh, up and coming executives to go attend um, the Leadership Institute at uh, Dartmouth at, at Tux Business. And part of that is the whole industry. So the whole cable industry, uh, 30 individuals across all different companies, Comcast, Charter, Time Warner, Cox Cable, whatever. Uh, they select 30 people to go do that. I was part of that inaugural class to go there um, and you know pretty much pursue and given the ropes of, okay, here's what it takes, right? To get to the executive level and that executive education. So definitely Dartmouth was a, a, a great Ivy League school. We went up there, stayed for a couple of weeks and just literally um, hunker down and with the best of the best in terms of professionals and professors to talk about just the industry and development. And the last thing before we move on to your, what we, the topics about is, uh, climbing the corporate ladder is you finished off Pepperdine University and got your doctorate. Wow, dude, that's, yeah. that's a golfer's clap, man. Always, always educating yourself, right? Yeah. And you got that as well. That's just amazing. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, let's switch. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah, up here. Um, yeah, with with you know, with education, it is great that you had all this experience and education on your on on the table and, and on your belt. But now the job, corporate world, that's what we really want to dive into. Which we're going to switch in. I mean, and back in two thousand, you were switching your MCI. You were a DSL engineer at All Cartel. Went on to network mark, uh, network engineering at US Networks. On and more, and like in '05, now you went at, you into a network engineer again at a public school, and then moved and the charter, which you used to get when you went to UW of Madison. You worked in charters for a good old seven, almost eight years there as an engineering again, you know. And then '014, a senior director at Comcast Cable, moving on to broadband consultant as in in 014, 016, a senior director in Comcast Cable, and you were really moving up. The corporate ladders, and then, and now, and not now, but direct. And then prior to that, in 2020, where you left off as director of engineering at Armstrong Utilities, and last but not least, you're now a vice president at another company as a network engineer at Medco, as a full timer nowadays. 
that yeah. is a lot of huge resume to look at of much engineering engineering yeah no absolutely i mean you know i what moved me into management right when i got out of uh, college and obviously you just want to provide and you want to be an engineer and that, that, that's great right but one thing when i started getting into my profession or my career is that i noticed that there wasn't a lot of strong good technical leaders meaning technical managers meaning they know the, the technical side and they know the business right and to me is that is a it i said you know what that's a good niche to be in because not a lot of people are going to know the technical and know the business side of things and so i as soon as a year into my job i said you know what in three years i'm going to go get my mba uh reason being is that i want to move eventually to technical management and climb the corporate ladder i want to be at the c-level i want to be a, a cto a cio a coo or even ceo of a major fortune 500 company right and to me well what's it going to take to, to get there right so that's why i embarked on the educational and training journey that, that we talked about earlier on that um and definitely you know along the way is that the key thing is learning how to lead people right so you're managing leading a lot of people and with that being said is that you also lead by example so the reason why i pushed myself on the training certification and all that you see on my educational side is that it, it's hard to preach to people or lead people to say hey you need to do this when you're not doing it yourself right so to me i'm gonna go do it because that way you can't come back and say you know what you may tell me to do it but you know what are you doing yourself to do these things right so to me be a leader lead by example do it so that nobody can under undermine or under or judge you for that because to me career longevity you always have to uh, continually learn. And I use this analogy for all my engineers and, and leaders in terms of managers that work for me is, imagine you're canoeing upriver, right? To just canoe or what I say, your paddle is your learning, right? To just stay in the same place, you still have to paddle at the same pace as the river is pushing you down, right? So that's learning, just learning in general. Now, if you wanna move up, you want to move that canoe go up river you're gonna to have to canoe harder and faster than the current to go upstream what does that mean you got to do better whether it be education training certifications communication all that so imagine if you didn't do any of that the river will push you backwards so if you don't even learn at the same rate as technology or or business is evolving the current is going to push you past where you started so no matter what in your career, you at least have to learn something to stay pace with the, the technology or the business uh, because the river is still going to push you down. So you're going to at least paddle at the same rate of the river. Now, if you want to move up, got to paddle faster, got to paddle harder. It seemed like you foresee yourself climbing up the corporate ladder to BP. Um, one thing, so another thing is, is having mentors, right? And BP is not where I need to be, quite honestly. Okay. Okay. my mentor told me is like you know what how if i could tell myself my younger self i should have had goals that were higher and further than i predicted predicted right i was talking to the president at charter 
and he was president and there's still the CEO, which is above him and the COO, which is above him, but he was at a president level and he was a, a, a Mexican guy. And I sat down and said, Hey, Steve, you know, what would, you know, what would you tell yourself or uh, as a mentor, you know, what are some things you could give me pointers on? And he said, you know, what, pal, I didn't set my goals high. Enough. You know, he said, he set his goals to be president. And by the time he was 55, he was already president. Of, of a charter and he still had 20 more years or you know 15 more years to go and he said my goal i didn't set him up high enough um and my thing to you is set him up high so to me ceo of a fortune 500 companies you know the, the ultimate goal now do i get there who knows right but to me at least it's a goal that you you strive for that if you land somewhere between that here vp and ceo that's not a bad place to be anyway right why was it so important to you well to becoming vp well to, to me is making an impact right so as you go up higher in the chain um you're able to make an impact in what you do because you're making the financial decisions you're making the strategic decisions you are having the conversations on here's the reasons why we need to do what we need to do to stay competitive or make the product better you know as an engineer you're wind up doing you're a doer you're not the one that's setting the strategic direction of the organization and setting the strategic direction of even the industry right and so to me when you get to the top like say a ceo um or a cto you're able to set the, the path of the industry now you're not only affecting you know uh your organization but you're affecting the industry right and, and so to me it's about making an impact on what you do and making an impact on the industry, right? Not only your company, but now at a VP level, you, you pretty much make an impact within your organization. But when you get to the speed level, you're not only making an impact to your organization, but you're making an impact to the, to, the, to the industry as a whole, right? And so to me, why not? I mean, if that's what you're good at, you know, that's kind of, you know, stick to what you're good at. And, and so to me, I feel that that's something that I bring to the table that can definitely the industry can can be uh, expanded upon or improved upon because I have been in the industry for about 21 years and you know the internet's not going away I'm going to tell you that right now everybody uses the internet right so how did you prepare yourself mentally to push forward yeah so with that is um you know there's a thing called burnout too so people have to be cognizant of that that you can always push but you also need to stop, reflect, take a breather, and then push forward again, right? And so to me is that being self-aware of knowing what your strengths are, knowing what your weaknesses are, and definitely uh, work on everything, right? Um, and definitely work on some of your weaknesses and areas like that. So to me, that's what pushes you, right? Because here's the thing, um, I use a basketball analogy, uh, and for folks that understand basketball, like Kobe Bryant, and and even Michael Jordan, right? And even some of the, uh, growing up in North Carolina, great basketball schools in terms of college, UNC and Duke. Well, one of the Duke players says, you know what? I'm, I'm working on my jump shot uh, at 2 a.m. in the morning. Cause you wanna know why? Cause Pacific time, which is 10, 11 Pacific, someone else is working on their jump shot, right? So the, the, the analogy is there is to, to what I'm doing now is that you have to push yourself because other people that are competing for those roles and those positions, they're pushing themselves 
uh, on that. And, and those are the people that you're going to eventually compete with uh, as you move up. And so to me, um, when, when someone's resting, someone else is working harder. You know what I mean? And when you look at that is we're competing on a global level now, you know? So the price of hiring an engineer here, you can hire an engineer in India or China for half the price and they have two degrees. They may even have two master's degrees or even a PhD. So to me is that now with the internet, it, it, there's the benefit of the internet and then there's also the con of the internet, which is now we're competing on a global level. So you're competing with people from China, from India, from Europe, wherever. And so to me, you got to look at your competition is not the competition beside you, but competition as a whole in, in the world um, on that. So that's constantly in the back of my mind to, to push you, right? Um, you know, also to the factor that, okay, we're mom, okay? So to me, I actually take pride of being mom uh, in that fact that, you know what? We have a lot of firsts in a lot of things. And so to me, if you're good at what you do, be the best at what you do, you know? And I had a mentor, a mom mentor tell me that. He says, you know what? Don't go be a mediocre doctor. You can be the best trash man and be the best. If you're the best trash man, odds are you can get paid the best and you can go hire the best doctor, hire the best lawyer with the money that you make and what you do, right? So if you're an entrepreneur, be the best at it. If you're gonna be in the corporate world, be the best at it. And no matter what you do, you can go hire the best. You can take your money and go hire the best that, that you're lacking, right? So to me, these are the things that uh, motivate me as a mom person is that, okay, there's so few of us. You know, I go to executive boardroom, I'm usually the, the only minority there, you know? And on top of that, I'm mom. And if you look at that in the corporate world in America is that there's not many mom folks that are in that, that circle in corporate boardrooms uh, to, to those levels. Now, granted, things are progressing and we're getting more and more people in there, which is great, right? But um, I could look around out of 50, you know, directors on up is that I was the only uh, Asian and there's two other, you know, female um, folks. So from a, from a minority perspective, that was it, right? So these are the things that honestly motivate you. Go, you know what? I got to do better because if you're one of the first ones to do it, you better be good, right? You better be great so that others that come in behind you, they know that they'll have the same work ethic or at least that that characteristic. To answer a lot to this next question about job security and uh, being competitive, in the job market. Can you elaborate more to that? How can you keep it or not lose it and compete? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so for anybody or any young people or any people that, that's obviously in the corporate world is this, is you know your industry. You know what it takes in terms of training, certification, education to better yourself, right? So to me, learn about your industry, right? Don't look at it as a job. Look at it as a career. You know, the big thing about looking at it, a job is you just go there, get paid, and you're done. You look at a career is how do you make an impact in what you're doing? And then you also look around is, okay, what is the industry things that are happening in your area, in your career, uh, in your chosen field to get better and be an expert at, right? And so the whole point of getting to the point of being a, an expert in your field, right? Being the best that you can do. That will make you competitive, you know? And then here's the other thing, analyze uh, around you, look around you, is that what makes you stand out, right? If, every, if, if, if two candidates come to me for a job and I look at their resume and everything looks the same, 
what makes you special? You got to ask that question. What makes you special? You know, you know, uh, on top of that, you know, to, to say that, you know, you're a minority and, you know, sometimes things are stacked against you because of that, right? Uh, because sometimes your resume is already filtered at the beginning, right? Um, and on top of that is, you know, uh, you look at, okay, if it's heads up, what happens, right? So you have to look at your resume and go, okay, what makes me competitive? What makes me stand out as a candidate, right? And to me, it also, if you're going to hire somebody for the same salary, would you not want to get all the, just like buying a car, do you want all the bells and whistles for the same price or do you just want the, the standard version? If you're going to get the bells and whistles for the same price, you're going to take the one that has the bells and whistles. You're going to get the one that has all the options versus, hey, here's a standard, you know, no options on your vehicle. If you can get a vehicle that's all decked out and with all the options for the same price, you're going to do that, right? So to me, that's how you should look at your career is what other options do you bring to the table? Because a company, they have a salary or a finite amount of, um, uh, of compensation that they're going to pay this individual, but they want the best or the most for that compensation. So you got to think of that is you got to bring a lot to the table. Um, you know, all the options as a car analogy, all the options, you know, versus the standard, you know, here's your standard car and, you know, here's the base model, right. And, and versus you are, the higher end model of the of the same you know line of cars. What are the pros and cons of corporate ladder versus just being an entrepreneur? Because it seemed like you have a, a business before too. Kind of give us your yeah. yeah so you know I, I've helped my sister start up a sushi business. My parents we've done rental property. We've also done a poultry farm, a uh, commercial poultry farm that all Hmong people you know hear about. We've done that in North Carolina. And the corporate ladder. So the, the big thing about the corporate ladder is obviously uh, you're not the owner, right? Uh, at the end of the day, you're working internally um, for an organization um, and other leaders. And there's obviously the, the con of that is the politics and the corporate culture. That's definitely the con of, of that because everybody's jockeying. Everybody may not have the same agenda as you do in terms of, of uh, where the organization's going or what, uh, how you execute things. Uh, on that. The, the pro is obviously, I don't have to worry about, you know, insurance. I don't have to worry about all that. The company takes care of all that, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm guaranteed something, right? Whereas an entrepreneur, you know, you, you are 110% all in, you know, if it fails, it's because of you. If it's successful, it's because of you. You know, if your employees are, are, are not doing a great, great job, well, you're the owner, right? You're, you're, you're the one that's responsible for all that. And, and that's great, you know, to me, uh, I can do that too. I think that, you know, for me, I gravitated towards the, the corporate side of things is that that's my strength. And, and literally that's what my passion is, which is the internet. And um, could I, you know, spin off and go do some internet-based business? Absolutely. I, I think to me with that is that uh, the lift to do that and the energy, because I have been with startup companies, and I have started business before is that it's a lot of work. You know, you, you are grinding it seven days a week. You are grinding it, you know, 14, 15 hours. Um, if you really want to, you know, to, to work at it, you know, when people say, Oh, you don't need that much hours. You know, I, I would say, I beg to differ on that, you know, in terms of if you really want your business to be successful, 
you eat, sleep that uh, on all day long as an entrepreneur. And, you know, I commend people that, that do that. I've done it before. And I look at that as um, what I love to own my own business one day. Absolutely. I think, you know, to me is that I still have a lot left in the tank to finish off what I need to do on, on my career. But those are the pros and cons. On, on top of that, an entrepreneur, you have flexibility of time. So if you want to put in the work, you can. If you don't want to put in the work, that's up to you. You know, at the end of the day, the business will succeed or fail based upon you, right? Whereas the corporate world, okay, so what if I miss a deadline? So what if I have to push a project out, you know, two weeks, right? That's not going to hurt me from, uh, from an economic perspective or hurt the organization from, uh, you know, doing anything different, right? So to me, that, those decisions um, are some of the things that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you don't have the luxury of. In the corporate world, you have some of that flexibility and luxury of uh, on that. You know, I think also, you know, um, with being in the corporate life, I, I look at it as, you know what, it, it's, it's definitely uh, job security. It's definitely uh, things that you look at in terms of, you know, what can you do and what can't you do, right? And, and so my area of expertise is that you can go consulting in what I did, and that's what I did when I went to the Philippines, and I loved it. I can definitely just do that, you know, um, when I retire. Uh, so those would be the differences, the pros and the cons. You know, pal, thank you so much for your insight on that. What advice would you, would you give the younger how the 21, you know, early 20, how of climbing up the corporate ladder? Mm -hmm. I, I would say um, things are not at on, on, a, on a timetable, meaning, uh, you know, climbing a corporate ladder. Um, so number one is be patient, right? And keep grinding or, or keep, you know, working at your craft. Um, to me, sometimes you as a young person, you get impatient uh, in terms of, hey, you know, I've been in the industry and I deserve this, right? And let's use an example. Um, I was a director from 07, 2007, till about, till this year, 2020. Um, and so that is 13 years, you know, I was at a director or senior director level. And what you don't realize is that um, when you get to vice president or higher, you're invited to be interviewed. You are not, you don't just go to Indeed or, or job website or whatever and just apply. You're not going to get in. Um, at the vice president level, headhunters come and look for you. They come and, and you're invited to interview. And, and so what you got to learn is um, basically the younger advice would be don't be, you know, don't be impatient, keep grinding on top of that know that, you know, at those levels, you have to network. So networking is key. I think even as an entrepreneur or anybody that's climbed the corporate ladder is, it's what people say about you, right? It's your reputation. And so what is the industry's reputation uh, or perception of you, right? And it's the same thing for an entrepreneur, same thing as a person in, in corporate life is, if you have the C-level people talking about, hey, this is, you know, this young and upcoming director, or this young and upcoming vice president, you know, they can do this, they can do that. And when you are talked about in circles where you're not advertising yourself, people are advertising for you, like word of mouth when it comes to business, when it comes to entrepreneurship, word of mouth. 
and you don't have to advertise yourself, that is when you know that, okay, the, the, the dam's got to break, right? The, the, the opportunities are going to open up more because now people are talking about you and what, what, what you're doing, right? So you don't have to, you know, we try to stay modest. Don't, you know, and to me, let, let your proof and your work be, you know, what, what um, puts it out there, right? You, you sometimes have to, to network and, and talk to people, and then, but those people will have to be your mouthpiece. They sell you, right? So that would be the things that I would advise my, my younger self. What does it mean to be a Hmong man? A lot of responsibility. Um, you know, um, some of the things I, I think, you know, um, we always hear about, um, you know, the challenges of being a Hmong woman. And, and uh, what we don't often hear is the challenges of, of being a Hmong man, right? And, and I'm not squashing that piece of it. I know there's struggles because I have daughters and I know the struggle. Um, that they go through, but as a, I'll speak for experience for just for Hmong men in general is that, you know, you, you often looked as, is it's very, very patriarchal. So what does that mean? Is that, um, you know, they look to you to take charge, take the lead, uh, be the breadwinner, right? Um, there's no, there's no crying. There's no, you know, you just have to be tough, right? And, and in Hmong culture is that um, older parents want you to be a renaissance man, right? They want you to be educated. They want you to have a great job. They want you to know old traditions. If you're, you know, old, some of the, all the old traditions, you got to know how to do all this. And then, and then, so to me, the level of expectation is, it builds. And, you know, um, examples that like college, I told you, I couldn't go back home and say, you know what, I failed college. You know, it'd be a total embarrassment. Uh, I feel I felt uh, to my parents, right? And and so to me is that some of those pressures build up on you, and and what you got to do is just learn how to be your own man uh, when it comes to it, and also accept what you can do and what you can't, and and what you need to be able to do is also accept uh, individuals that um, you know everybody has their expertise, and and honor that, appreciate that. You know, and prime example, what I love to learn Hmong culture and learn all the traditional gasu and the traditional mikong and traditional tikhan, absolutely. Do I have the time to do all that with what else I've got going on in my life? I don't, right? So to me, is that what I love to do it and know it so that I can use it one day for, for my own purposes? Absolutely. But you know what? Everybody's an expert in each of these things. Respect the expertise. And if you need ito tikhan, go ask. If you need to make go ask, you know, and, and so to me, if you're, if you're talking internet corporate ladder, feel free, ask me, I, I'm, I'm an open book, right? So to me, being a home man is that there's a lot of pressure of just, uh, quote unquote, perception of being the man of the house and being the sole breadwinner or, or being the breadwinner and, and making sure that your family's taken care of, uh, along with that, the responsibility and burdens of your parents, right? Because you're expected to take care of your parents in their old age, granted. We're in America, things are different. You know, the sisters help out, you help out, everybody pitches in, right? Um, but I'm not leveling that level of expectations to my kids. I'm not gonna do that to my kids. Just like education, I'm not leveling, you know, I may have my doctorate degree, I'm not leveling that ex expectation to my kids. You know, I told my kids they have three choices when they graduate from, uh, from high school. Either A, if they need a degree to do the profession that they want, go get that degree. 
Number two, if they don't know what they want to do, go into the service until they figure it out, right? And number three, if they're an entrepreneurial in spirit, take that college money that you saved for them, let them start their business and take that money and get them a couple of business courses to do that. So to me, but doing nothing after high school is not an option. So to me, three things, you know, I'm not going to level that expectation because that expectation was on me. And I, I know that that's a burden on me and I don't want the same burden on that on my kids. And so to me, again, three things, college, if it, if that profession requires a degree, go get it. If you want, you don't know, go to the service. So you figure it out. And number three, if you know how to, if you want to start a business, go, you know, start a business. Here's the money from college that we saved up from you. Go, go do that. Right. So to me, those are the three things, the advice that I give to my kids, uh, when it comes to this. I'm surprised you just didn't say doctor and lawyer. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Pursue your passion. Well, it's been a great talk, but lastly, pal, where can our listener find you, get a hold of you, give a quick pitch, you know, wrap things up. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so definitely you can look me up. Uh, traditional spellings P-A-O and last name's Low. So LinkedIn uh, is uh, from a professional network perspective there. Um, definitely my email, um, my work email is cow.low at midco, so M-I-D-C-O.com. So feel free to, you know, email me um, on there. But LinkedIn, I check that pretty often. So to me, uh, hook up on LinkedIn and, you know, message me. And, you know, from, from that, you know, we can exchange phone numbers from there and then have a conversation. But uh, for the most part, yeah, join LinkedIn. Uh, it's a great professional services. And quite honestly, that's how I was recruited uh into my roles uh whether it be international or domestic thank you so much for your time pal coming on inside corporate ladder thank you so much and you have a lovely lovely day okay you too bye well that ends our episode if you haven't yet visit our website at www.momentalk.com or find us on facebook moment talk Lastly, if you're listening on, on us on a podcast from Stitcher or Spotify, Google Play, or iTunes, please give us an honest rating. One last thing, we want to give a shout out and DJ Peter for allowing us to use your song and beats. Thank you so much. You can check them out on YouTube.